0: everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. We're on episode 28. Yeah, it's 28, is it? Yeah, it is 28, Evan. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Uh, I'm your uh, co-host, Evan. And I'm your co-host, Tom. Uh, And welcome to a new episode. Uh, On today's episode, um, what are you going to talk about, Tom? So,
1: on Friday, Pfizer released a new antiviral drug called Paxilovit. And so I just want to uh, just touch on that. And also, uh, there is COP26 uh, going on right now in Glasgow. So we can just look at what are the main aims and who is there to represent what, and perhaps what has Ireland decided and the Netherlands, because I felt that that's relevant.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's super important um, conference at the moment. Uh, and then for me, I'm just going to today's i'm going to do the main story and i'm going to talk about a new drug that was um a new drug that was developed that was approved for alzheimer's and uh there was a whole controversy and fallout from the approval so i wanted to just go into the story and let you know what happened uh, so and i no
1: covid today
0: no covid today no oh my god that comes uh, for celebration <laughs> yeah well you're doing the covid already i suppose yeah um And then as well, I just want to briefly mention um, James Bond. uh, uh, This article I've seen is like, how healthy is James Bond, a flu to kill? So just to see (laughs) how many times would James Bond have died from non combative reasons. So just something (laughs) life and goofy. Um, Yeah, and just before we get into then your stories then, Tom, Mm -hmm. how are you? It's been a while since we did an episode, it seems like, since we had a... professor Hambruner on last last time
1: um, yeah it was a great episode if you happen to listen please check it out yeah i'm still coming down from that <laughs> last episode um yeah it's kind colli- of a it's kind of a
0: pity like when he did go on about the papers at the end they're like oh there's so much more we could talk to him about so yeah
1: indeed but i suppose we he's so broad we just said we'd focus on one topic with the mao aging yeah we have to we have to stay to our world um yeah but uh, one of the colleagues colleague from my office, she sent that particular episode to her supervisors. So uh, (laughs) so that was nice. We're we're slowly infiltrating all these academic. Oh, yeah. That was the plan all along. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And on the other hand, I also got my uh, first COVID uh, antigen test done. So that was exciting for me because I've never done this before. And is this Uh, like a new thing for you at work? one no one girl was tested positive and it was just a precaution for me and other people who was who were in close contact like in the same room to get uh just to, to get tested as well yeah just to see and yeah so i was just negative. doing it daily well i did once uh i was negative and i was kind of <laughs> happy i was happy with that so <laughs> you're like i don't need anymore. okay so i should have done it like, okay i'll do it after i'll do it after <laughs> we finished. I'm shaming (laughs) you into doing it. I've already been the whole week at work, so okay, I'll I'll do
0: it. Yeah, 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 Uh, yeah. And then I suppose yeah, I um I suppose that was one of our trailers. Sorry, that was like one of the comments on the movie trailers. It was the James Bond. So me and John had gone to see it. It was a pretty good movie. Saw the James Bond, the new James Bond. Okay. And yeah, I think this this article I mentioned uh, a a flute kill. I thought it would be an interesting um, examination of like how he could have died uh, in other ways. Can Um, can I just guess? uh, James Bond, he's made a total of 25 films between 1962 and 2021. And yeah, in all these films, he's only washed his hands twice, even though he's only stayed (laughs) in less than hygienic places with considerable health risks. So uh, this was actually done at Radbound UMC, so your um, university that was done. Uh, So a PhD student, she thought like he must have probably had exposure to like serious food poisoning or like uh, in the new movie, he seems to have been exposed to like this, I don't know, a virus or nanobots as you want to call it. So uh, (laughs) they had a look and seen like what, how else could he have died or how else could he have been harmed in the, his movies <laughs> uh, and i think so one of them was the man with the golden gut food safety and live and let die james bond finds himself on an island among hungry crocodiles who love to devour him for lunch i think we all have seen that scene where he runs across the alligators
1: no i haven't, haven't seen it i only seen james bond with daniel craig and i think i've only seen oh, wow. the first the first two with him i i've never, oh, got never got seen casino royale No, I've seen Casino Royale and whatever was the second one. Oh, okay. And you haven't seen any since? I only know Skyfall from the song. Oh, wow. Yeah, you should
0: definitely watch, like, Percy Brosnan has some good ones. And, yeah, Sean Connery,
1: obviously. Mm. The one where they were still allowed to objectify women and other (laughs) uh, (laughs) ethnic... You just have to ignore that, maybe. (laughs) okay. (laughs) Or maybe just don't watch that
0: one. Um... (laughs) Yeah, so in that in that, in that that scene, so he gets out of the hungry crocodiles, but he's able to distract the animals with pieces of raw chicken. Washing his hands thoroughly is out of the question because he's already busy with an exploding drugs lab and a wild chase and a stolen speedboat. So, and yeah, he only washed his hands twice, after a meal in from Russia with love and after killing an opponent in a mud bath. So, yeah, he definitely could have been exposed to any of these bacterial infections salmonella campylobacter uh, resulting in the severe diarrhea so I would say <laughs> I would, maybe it wasn't like shown in the movies but he I'd say definitely has got diarrhea at some stage in his movies <laughs> <laughs> he's not so elegant anymore isn't he no and then as well we all know how the ladies man James Bond is in his films Bond undertakes 59 amorous activities <laughs> An average of 20 point 2.4 per film he changes partners very regularly and the time between first meeting and intercourse is extremely short often he's able to boo them it's that easy in thunderball is estimated to be 20 minutes and when bond lands with his parachute on a luxury yacht in the living daylights it appears to be even shorter <laughs> um yeah so the spontaneous unsafe sex is not entirely without risk uh, by the shocking high percentage of partners who die after intercourse with bond, <laughs> namely 27.1%. So ladies. There's what? something there. There's something going on there. I think you're a marked person. <laughs> um so it, yeah, it's, it should be noted that sexual transitional diseases do not play a role in any of these deaths. But I would meant I would think that um Bond at this stage could be carrying some of these STDs like chlamydia uh, what's the one, syphilis, that one yeah. um yeah syphilis like yeah for sure could be going mad yeah well, it could explain a lot of his uh irrational behavior in some of these movies maybe um and yeah the he never as they were also mention how he's never um hung over even though he's always just drinks martinis all the time and
1: yeah he doesn't really maintain fluids and all that stuff can i ask you a question now do you think that every single Bond movie is, like, the same man, just put in the different scenarios? Or, like, every Bond movie represents a different 007 character? You know, like, 007 is just, like, a universal label that is given to any agent that reaches that well, level? It um it... Uh,
0: it, it... I think it's, it's not a reboot, so to say. Like, it's, like, a continuation, so someone else takes up the... I think it's kind of like its
1: continuation in a way of this character, like he never so, died... But is it the same? Is it the same person from from the first movie till the last one, or like in the in the universe of the movie? Do you think that I think there are different people taking up the mm, title, or you just the I don't same person? I don't know for sure, but like I do think like they're all based on these books
0: by um, I can't remember, I think Ian Fleming, and mm-hmm. like these are all books that he's written, so it's not to say like i know they're all at different time periods that they're filming but like really they kind of are like almost as if like okay this is the next mission and then it's right. kind of just i know it's just a different actor but i suppose it's james bond at the end of the day they don't really like say oh you look different today or something yeah like that. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah exactly yeah um, okay yeah uh but yeah i get and dehydration sunstroke or heat stroke he's <laughs> never seemed to put sun cream on he doesn't really wear appropriate clothing And he walks through, like, in one of the movies, he walks through Japanese mountains with these, like, um, grassland full of dangerous critters. Like, he could definitely got ticks and all this stuff. So he's at huge risk, again, of getting... uh, (laughs) Lyme
1: disease. Lyme disease as well. And And I think that also influences your behavior, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you are. And then the final one, I think it was uh,
0: in... What was the movie... Uh, uh, I think it's the one inspector, it's a cat, he, Blue, Bluefield, he has this cat, I think it's like a callback to the, I don't know which one it was, where your man has a cat as well, it's like this... I don't know any of yeah, that. Yeah, I know, it's a white Persian cat, so they're basically okay. like, oh, could he have got toxi, toxoplasmosis to the cat as well, which is the one where it yeah, leads to more reckless behaviour. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. yeah, James Bond has not only survived all these uh, combative... Um, incidents where he has to fight for like with guns and all this, but like he could also be surviving all these other things, all these bacterial infections, STDs. Who knows what's going on? He's some of some superhuman. He's one some man for one man, isn't so he? So do you think of that the next time you're watching it? Like, oh, he could maybe he could be. What other ways could he have died that are not so exciting? <laughs>
1: I think I think I will start watching from if I do decide, I think I will start watching from Pierce Brosnan. It seems like Yeah, but I think then you're missing out. I still think there is some good
0: ones with Sean Connery and Roger Moore and Timothy right, Dalton. Said, you send and
1: me you a, your recommendations <laughs> and uh <laughs> Well I'm not an
0: expert as well. Some maybe if a listener is an expert on James Bond and they wanna recommend some to tom please reach out i will watch it sometime next week when i'm less busy <laughs> sometime next week, okay uh yeah so that was what i was uh wanted to mention our kind of like goofy side of mm. james bond so um yeah tell us then what was your stories then tom what were you uh what happened this week or the last yeah. last week if,
1: when we're recording this so this is actually this is actually the most relevant fresh news that i ever told i think fresh off the
0: press fresh off the freshly press, freshly hot
1: <laughs> freshly baked <laughs> news stories so um i don't know if you've heard about pax love It's it's uh it's I an antiviral- sorry,
0: I, before you start it's just like yeah. the way you um you said that name to me i'm like is this like some kind of a famous actor or something i was like what pax love it? <laughs> from like, Russia? It's like sounds like a kind of like a, a porn star name or something
1: like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's the best name for the drug, to be honest with you. <laughs> Pax love it, but Anyways. I don't know. They go with it. Um, so it's a drug. It's an antiviral drug from Pfizer. And on Friday, they announce it. Uh, then they, they announced it publicly. And they, they also showed the interim analysis of phase uh, two and three of clinical trial. The name of the trial is epic hr which stands for evaluation of protease inhibition for covid-19 in high risk patients so you can already deduce that the antiviral in itself is a protease inhibitor and these are the these are the numbers because I'm a numbers guy so l- listen to this bro interim analysis showed an 89% reduction in risk of COVID-19 related hospitalization or death from any cause compared to placebo in patients treated within three days of symptoms onset. And so that means that 0.8% of patients who received Paxlovid were hospitalized through day 28 following randomization. And that is three uh, hospitalization out of 389 patients with no deaths. And on the other side, you have 7% of patients who received placebo and were hospitalized or died. And this comes up to 27 patients out of 385 hospitalized with seven subsequent deaths. Mm. So it, what's that like? What? How many times is that that you're protected when you take the drug is like... 10 times at least? I'd say so. Well, there is zero death compared to seven deaths. Yeah. And there was only three people hospitalized versus and this 27. Is if they
0: So when when do they take the drug is like, isn't it? Um,
1: within the three days of symptoms onset. Okay. Uh, they also had the data for within five days of the symptom onset. And it's very comparable. So there is no, the, there's not that much difference. Uh, so one one, my, one of my comments, it's like, this is not a magic pill. That like you really have to take it as soon as you as you realize or as you confirm as a positive person, you know. Like I don't think it's gonna save anyone who is like chronically suffering from some from from this. I like, thought I it think would it
0: be wouldn't. I don't think it'd be as good as um, vitamin infusions, though. Is it?
1: <laughs> I I can sense irony here, <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, probably not as good as a uh, vitamin and the whole
0: kitchen sink. But uh, no, but seriously though. Um, like so, if you're vaccinated, it still be would be recommended to take these, even if you're. I suppose if you're at risk,
1: in an at risk group, you should. Still I think, take yeah, I think the Pfizer still said that the vaccination should be like the the main uh, form of protection that people should strive for. However, uh, having an antiviral drug, like it, like there is no downside to it. Like you know, mm. because uh, some people do actually. Uh, do actually need these antiviral drugs? You know, because there, there are some breakthrough cases of people that do uh, end up in the hospital. But the the drug was so good that they actually stopped the uh, stopped the trials, and it was deemed unethical for the placebo group not to yeah. be given since it was doing so much better. And um, a little bit of history as well. The Paxlovid is built on the back of the first SARS epidemic, so they were. Pfizer was already trying to come up with something during SARS epidemic, and they just modified the drug to fit uh, SARS-CoV two. And the pill is given in combination with older antiviral drug called retonavir, Ritonavir, and the treatment consists of three pills given twice daily. So, not that much of a burden, I suppose. So you, you take the three these three pills. Yeah. On symptom onset, and then you take yeah. it until your symptoms go away. Yeah. Oh. And for everyone who like thinks, oh, this is another new technology, because that was the issue with the mRNA vaccines. So just so you know, guys, protease inhibi- inhibition as a form of antiviral therapy is, has been already used for a long time with uh, HIV cases and with the hepatitis C cases. So this is not some new undiscovered science that they're trying to push. And this this uh, older antiviral drug, uh, Retonavir, that is given, in uh, that complements the Pfizer therapy, is also a, a drug that has already been used uh, with the HIV cases and with the hepatitis C. So uh, hopefully this will not, you know, put a fear into the hearts of people because this is kind of old, old school science that is just being adopted for SARS-CoV-2. And you can trust it, I think, over ivermectin. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to see if uh, uh, okay. what kind of mode of action ivermectin has on the SARS-CoV-2 just to kind of see, oh, what if ivermectin and this new Pfizer drug has the same mode of action? I was just thinking like, that would, that would look suspicious. <laughs> but the only papers that I could find on ivermectin mechanism of action in SARS-CoV-2, they were all retracted by the different pub- publishing oh, houses. I'm- so um, no, I couldn't really find out. I still, mm. they, still I think they not an anti- really sure. I always thought it was an anti-parasite drug. Well, not it not is, anti- but yeah. it it doesn't really limit it to only to fighting yeah. parasites. Uh, it has been used some other viruses, but I um, yeah, I just couldn't find out what's the mechanism of action. So I mm-hmm. just like okay. It's not and really the other, I just seen here like actually the they're going to make this pill actually
0: in Ireland. It's in uh, at the Skiddy plant. The in
1: the Pfizer pill, yeah. Oh, so that's hopefully, Ireland, hopefully yeah. it could do well. We could help get us one of the first, uh, maybe countries to use yeah, it. Make a deal, yeah. But I, actually, I saw, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. But I would just mention because I seen the this Pfizer got like huge media attention, but then I was like reading there was another pill that has from been, Merck, yeah, from Merck as well, yeah. And that's already been bought by the UK medicine regulator because they've granted it to be authorized. So they're going to help. Give that that's so that's already on the market now, and they're going to mm-hmm. be rolling it out. I think to people who are at, at risk. Um, who say so it says Merck pill is authorized for use by people who have mild to moderate COVID nineteen symptoms and have at least one risk factor that makes them vulnerable to developing severe disease. So um, yeah, it's just great like to see that it's actually out going out now. And it really more shows that we're. I think we finally got a grip on this whole yeah COVID-19 pandemic and at the, the f- moment it seems very dire because the cases are so high everywhere but I think we're we've definitely even though I think cases aren't really the metr- metric anymore to be measuring um but I think we do have a handle and we're yeah I think we're definitely nearly at the
1: finishing line now for sure we're we better now than we were f- even a few months a few months ago yeah yeah definitely and um yeah I think states bought a lot of the Pfizer uh I think the Joe Biden's uh, uh, cabinet uh, put a lot of money into it, and the fun, the fun thing about the Merck pill, just one last thing, is that uh, it works on the basis of introducing uh, introducing genetic uh, changes to the to the to the code of the virus. Oh right. So it's 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 quite different from so the t- Pfizer. Oh, it's a yeah. different one. Oh, it's a different mechanism. Yeah, yeah. But the, as long as we have something um, that works, that's great news. You know. Yeah. 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 With all good news and um so i'm just going to move on to my another uh, quick breakthrough so climate change obviously very important right now we've all experiences you know the uh, the bad side of the climate change it was like the massive fires in australia floods yeah. i think everyone uh, i seen like what they're saying everyone's suffering
0: from like uh, global warming, anxiety, and everyone sleeps <laughs> so hopeless with the whole thing. So. Yeah,
1: and the person that you accused of preaching too much about global warming was uh, was also at the COP twenty six, talking about global warming. Like, come on, dude, take a take a chill pill. Uh, <laughs> what's <laughs> but anyway, <why? laughs> yeah, what's going on with you? But COP twenty six is the uh, United Nations climate change conference. And it starts for a conference of the parties, if you didn't know, and it's oh. the twenty-sixth annual meeting. Uh, it takes place in UK and Glasgow, so Scotland, and it takes place from the first to the twelfth of November. So as we speak um, today, they, st- they, they still like collaborating and discussing these things in uh, in Glasgow, and it's the um, it's uh, um, it's a kind of continuation. Of what had happened in Paris in 2015, you know the Paris Agreement. Yeah, the one that America pulled out of. Yeah, yeah, the one that America pulled out. But this time, uh, this is not about uh, talking and adding more goals into the Paris 2015. It's more focused on how we can implement uh, the things that we said in 2015, how we can make it real, how we can make achieved all of these things. And uh, yeah, as you said, this time around, the America and representatives of America are present, but the missing people are uh, the Chinese president. Uh, God, I'm gonna try to pronounce his name, but Xi Jinping. Jinping, Xi Jinping. I don't know. I'm sorry, but the China China is not there. Um, I mean, the president of China is not there, but China has its own representatives there. But like, as a, the president is not there, I think Russia has no uh, representatives. No, Putin wasn't there. But Yeah, Putin wasn't there. Uh, I think they're the main players uh, that contribute the most to the pollution. Uh, well, like industrial like, pollution, pu- they're not there. Like
0: Russia's whole like way they make money is through like oil and gas, so
1: they'd be definitely yeah. against like limiting this. So it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. Exactly. And like one of the, you know, they like they all have the goals that they try to reach. And for example, one of them is to secure global net zero by mid century to keep 1.5 degrees within reach. So what it means they do, they really want to stop the increase, annual increase of the temperatures because it has a deleterious effect. And, you know, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to remember what I have heard about the COP26. And for example, one of the reason is, if the temperature keep increasing on on that at the rate that is right now, for example, all of the cor- coral reefs around Australia and stuff like that, that could just die off, yeah, yeah. and that that would have a huge impact on the uh, ocean uh, ecosystem. They want to stop uh, deforestations. and it's funny because like it's most of the developing countries that are huge into deforestation, like you know, like the Brazil. And the cut down of the Amazons and stuff like that. So that's why they want to comp. Uh, the, the developed countries they uh, pledge to compensate um, the money that the country would lose on while they stop deforestation. Yeah, yeah. So at least that's that. There's some. There's trying to be some sort of compensation. It's not just saying like, "Oh, do this," and nobody and nobody does anything. Like you know, because like it's it's not it's not productive. Um, they also agree to. Um, to give 100 billion in climate finance per uh, per year, so different countries they um, they commit to giving some sort of money into uh, into like combating the climate change. Yeah, yeah. And the and the last thing they uh, they do is they try to accelerate the phase out of coal, uh, speed up the switch to electric ve- vehicles, and encourage investment in the renewables. So I think these are all the good things. And what's important uh, for Ireland, the uh, Taoiseach, the prime minister, uh, he uh, he said that um, everyone had to deal with the reality of climate change. And this meant that farming will have to change, energy will have to change and transport will have to change. Uh, Mr. Martin said Ireland would sign the pledge to cut meat emission by 30%, but he stressed that the figure was a global target rather than the national one. And we all know that cutting the meat emission is basically cutting down eating beef. Agriculture, yeah. Um, And then as for Netherlands... Uh, the Netherlands has decided not to sign a plea to stop spending taxpayers' money on supporting international fossil fuel projects. So they kind of go against what the COP26 wants to achieve. And the reason for it was that it's a very controversial matter, and the Netherlands would rather wait for the new government that comes in uh, to make that call. All oh, nice. right. And bad guys. yeah. And for all the three people that um can speak polish and have polish relations uh poland has signed the pledge to uh, stop using coal and coal mines by 2030 and then <laughs> right before the ink uh, dried out the polish government instructed the representatives to pull out from this pledge oh my and God. So, why did they yeah. sign if they're going to pull out I think, I think they signed it and then the news reached Poland and they were like, no, we're not doing that. And then they they pulled out from that. So I don't know. Uh, Katrin Gutmann, she's a, a member of Europe Beyond Coal. She said, and that's what she said, would the ink of her signature, that being the minister for uh, climate change in Poland, would the ink of her signature not even dry on today's 2030s call phase out commitment at COP26, Polish minister Anna Moskwa has underscored that her government cannot be trusted to sign the postcard, let alone a responsible mm. climate change, yeah. a climate pledge. So yeah, yeah so it's Poland like how are you meant out.
0: to, um, if a country like Poland doesn't buy into it, then how are you meant to expect any
1: other country in Europe? Like we all have to do this together. I think the problem for Poland is that the south of it is so heavily based on mining and especially coal mines that if they would say that they would stop using coal mines, that is that is that is literally means that they're gonna close down all of the coals in south of Poland, the coal mines, and you know the question is what you're gonna do with all of these workers uh, who are who are mining coal right now? Like what? Are they just gonna go on on them? So that I think that's why they. They just don't really know what to do and they would definitely not win elections if they just decide out of nowhere to to shut down all the um, all the coal yeah, mines
0: it just it's it's gonna be um, that's the question like, I guess was they have to try and like try and resolve is how do you like cut these jobs but also like what do you do when you're trying to cut these uh, I think you just have to like try and stagger it and like by the end of the decade, you really need to get off coal and then have them reemployed in other
1: jobs like that are more renewable energies. Yeah, but it takes retrain. It takes money, right? Because you have to retrain people. You have to like sort out the jobs for them. Because if you just leave them out, it's it's not gonna be great. No, uh, what but do you I think? Know.
0: What do you think of the? Do you think it was a success so far?
1: COP twenty. I've always been. I've always thought that meetings like that is just an, an excuse for like all of the you know world leaders and mates just to meet up and have a few pints and just talk about nothing but uh, i don't know with every or like every pair of eyes turned on this cop 26 right now and what's going on and protests taking place in in uk and in other across other countries i think there's slowly so much uh, spotlight put on it that like people cannot just do nothing anymore because they will be brought to you know to answer for these questions at some point yeah. uh, but i still think that it's mostly in the interest of all of these big countries with big f- money in you know they have to, i think they have to like lead the example and show that it is manageable and it to, you can
0: like be financially successful yeah um. Yeah, I think as I, uh, I think what we, me and John, have discussed is that you do need to kind of we do need to be like carbon. Ne- I think neutral by the end of this decade, and we need to be like taking carbon out of atmosphere. I think by twenty fifty, that's yeah. the aim. And like, you can't. Like, I think you can't reduce the demand for for um energy at the moment. Like, you can't just like. So you kind of need to like switch to the renewable and make it people aware of like. Where they can get renewables energy um, yeah. right now. So I think to be like, oh, you should use less of this or that. I don't know if that really will work. You kind of need to get it that people. Well, like but
1: that. I, we, they can keep the supply going. Without but at the same time, I don't think that like an overnight change will do good to anyone. If just overnight people decide, like, okay, no more uh cars that runs on diesel or petrol only elect like did, did, like if that would happen overnight. No, but like, like I don't think know, anyone's asking
0: for that. I'm just saying I do think being, I think people definitely are will are willing to change for climate change. I think people are realizing now it is a serious, but like I think make giving them uh, proper alternatives or proper solutions that can they actually are manageable rather than be like Oh, you need to like cut the, get rid of your cows, or you need to like stop um getting going on planes on holidays. Like, I just think that's not really helpful. I think they need to be coming up with better solutions. We need to be more creative in how we deal with it. Um, yeah, and I just think as well. But like, some of the pledges were just so pathetic. Like India, like 20, 2070. Like how? Like that's not that's nearly a dec uh, nearly um a century away. Like. It's like that's not going to help. Why can't yeah. you put all your energy into renewable now and make this bold statement before you're even established? That, like that you need um, unrenewables like coal and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I just yeah, don't I just think Australia that, as well is not doing enough either. But again, they're so dependent on coal for their economy. So I don't know. I just think people need to. W- I, I do think people are you know I think like saying oh people need to wake up and realize it's like I don't think that's fair on people but I think you need to give them correct solutions for what they can do and that's meaningful rather than like that's what that was what I was trying to get out in my my rant about David Narva is that everyone just says it's all terrible we're all doomed blah, blah blah and it's just like well that doesn't help how can we make a change that's reasonable without saying oh you need to just like Get rid of your whole livelihood because you're the one responsible. So less whining, whining about it, and more kind of we just need to like be more like what's manageable. What can we do? What can we? And I just think pumping so lot of money into like research into like renewable energies, like uh, I don't know, feed for like cattle that isn't so bad for producing methane. Cattle breeds that help not produce as much methane. All this kind of stuff. Do you think will we ever
1: be able to achieve fartless cows? Fatless. Fartless? Fartless. <laughs> <laughs> fartless. No, I don't know. Maybe not. But I think
0: there has been so much, again, like, in meat alternatives right now. So, um, like, maybe it's something that's not... uh need to be too worried about anyways. Uh, but I think, yeah, just getting carbon out of the atmosphere
1: is such yeah. a main thing, really. Even I... Sign with this like there's i don't think there's any point saying like i believe in climate change because there is nothing to believe it is what it is but yeah even i am now thinking about maybe eating less meat yeah so but i just think
0: often we need to like get these technologies developed that we can then switch like for countries like china that they can switch this renewable and then countries don't have to go to russia and like using gas and all this but we yeah this is what we just need to putting a lot as much focus as we did with the pandemic and like all that vaccine and drug re- research get that into like developing this technology that
1: we can use and getting yeah, it but cheaper. we have to get everyone on board because what yeah. in what even four years the you know let's say in states again the government will change and the Republicans will win again. And I don't think any one of the... Well, the majority well, I of Republicans I just think is, is, I, not really, is not really with the climate change. They don't, they don't really see it as a problem. So, so now you have, like, Biden and his cabinet signing everything and playing the ball. And then, you know, there's going to be another change in the government. And then the Republicans will come in again. And they say, like, OK, so we, we're going to pull out from this again. And that's another step step back yeah, you but at stage, like, I you suppose, have to get everyone on the same yeah, page first yeah but i
0: suppose like at this stage we just have to hope that we, we can't focus on anyone else you just have to look at your country what you can do and try and try and achieve them goals that you can and what happens to other countries we just there's nothing we can control i don't think these people in america can really they can deny covid so i'm not one of surprised like but like climate change is going to be real like at the end of this decade i think there's gonna be serious problems with droughts, heat waves, like hurricanes, everything. So, I do you think, think we can't burn our head yeah. in
1: the sand anymore. Like, do you think that when we realize that uh, the climate change is real, it's gonna to be too late to do anything? Well, we know it's real. Like I just yeah, think but we're, I mean, like, like if we d- every d- single person would be like, yeah, climate change is real. Like, like even
0: if you say that now, though, like what if the people in charge don't do anything, it doesn't change anything, and they're not willing to like do these, make these difficult decisions. Like it is already like we all know it's real.
1: It's just like implementing... Yeah, but procedures. clearly some people don't don't want don't to not It's not because that they don't
0: think it's real. It's just they want money. It's the money that at the end of the day. Like, easy money, short-term thing that they're just like, oh, we can make more money by keeping coal going. It's less problems
1: to think about. We'll, we'll push it down the line. So it just it's a sort of short-sighted vision. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I wish we were in power. Yeah, but it's 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 such a difficult... like how do you
0: make decisions again like for in ireland farming how do you get like how do you tell farmers we need to cut the her down or in poland how do you tell like oh we need to we need to start sacking coal workers yeah i don't know it's it's like it like short term it's really going to be difficult but long term it'll pay off but yeah that short term
1: is a pain the, the 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 fact that they don't even want to pick up a discussion about this that is just a straight up no we're not doing this it's I think that's what is really, really bad. Because at least when you like when when you're discussing with someone or debating, like there's an opportunity, you know, that you can change your mind. But if you're not even approaching the table, you don't want to discuss these things at all. Like how how how, how are you gonna change your mind if you're not willing to change your mind? You know, is this like countries or people? I think it's people. I think it's governments, and I think it's you know. Uh, some decision might be going against their their uh, polit- political promises and maybe you know they don't they don't want to do these things they yeah i don't know i just i just feel like some people are just they don't want to accept this as a as something that is happening and they don't need they are not willing to have their mind converted or changed
0: yeah but i think that's about everything I look, like, I, I, I honestly you can't you just have to put these solutions in front of people that they can that they can choose and we need to hold governments accountable for our lack of progress. And that's all we can do.
1: Or we can go to Mars.
0: <laughs> we can't you we, rather, we need to w- sp- solve the problems on our own planet before we go to Mars.
1: Would you rather fix Earth or just pack <laughs> your bags and <laughs> take off Big and take earth, care for sure i don't think it's going to
0: be easy to live on mars okay I okay anyways so recall. yeah that was climate change gop let us know what you thought of the whole conference was it all talk do you think w- something can happen greta uh, was there greta was there yeah and she had her whole speech again I didn't. how dare to you speech. <laughs> Uh, yeah so anyways let, you let us know you can let us know on our social media on Instagram Incline, Twitter at SkepticallyI or you can email us SkepticallyIncline at gmail.com okay yeah. <laughs> um, so on to my main story then um, so this was something I wanted to, to talk about that I was uh, researching so uh, a new drug for Alzheimer's is it a new hope in helping Mm -hmm. solve the condition or treat the condition or is it just something else that's going on with clinical trial manipulation Uh, again casting my (laughs) sceptically eye on it sceptically my sceptical eye on it So, um, so let me first ask you a question Tom yes for a drug to get FDA approval does it have to A. have a significant statistically significant result B, a Mm -hmm. clinically important result. Mm -hmm. C, both results. Or D, neither the result.
1: Oh, God. Okay. I'm going to say... I think it's between both results or none of the results. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say it has to have none of the results. Yeah, you're right. That Uh, was a complete guess. Yeah, I
0: think you know because I've gone about being (laughs) sceptical. Yeah, so the correct answer is D. Um, I was going to say, I already had predicted that you were going to get wrong. Because <laughs> I was like, don't feel bad. Because, <laughs> yeah, only 6% of the US phys- physicians correctly answered this question when they were asked. So mm. what am I trying to get at by asking this question? Okay, so uh, in June 2021, the FDA approved the first ever disease-modifying drug for Alzheimer's disease. It's known as aducinamab. I might be saying this wrong, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it for the rest (laughs) of the story. Um, So it was hailed as a major advance for the treating of the disease by many. But its approval has sparked controversy among many in the science community, with Harvard professor of medicine Aaron Kesselheim describing it as probably the worst drug approval decision in recent US history. Oh my God. Have you heard anything about this? No. No, I, I didn't pick on that at all. No. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So this was because not one of the US FDA's 11-member advisory committee voted to approve atisibumab for the treatment of the disease. So what is the whole story behind it, the drug? Why was this approval so controversial? And what does the approval mean for the context of drug approval in general and for mm-hmm. patients, clinicians, and researchers? So, yeah, before I get into the story one concept I want to explain is surrogate markers or surrogate endpoints so the FDA defines it as a lab measurement a radio radiographic image physical sign or other measure that is taught to predict clinical benefit but it's not but it's not itself a measure of clinical benefit so these surrogate benefits stand in contrast to direct measurements of patient outcomes often referred as clinical endpoints such as living longer symptom relief, or improve quality of life. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the FDA often uses these surrogate endpoints to approve drugs or treatments through its accelerated pathway, a process created in 1992 to hasten approval of drugs that treat serious conditions and that fill an unmet medical need. So I suppose Alzheimer's would seem to be one of them. Um, yeah, but surrogate, it's kind of like, um, one example was, arrhythmia so when you have a heart your heart uh mightn't beat might Mm -hmm. beat a bit off yeah that it the drug will correct for it so you'll be like okay if it corrects for that then that's a measure outcome and it's correct for it so that means the drug works but if you Mm -hmm. actually would need to like look oh actually does it prevent heart myocardial infractions or does it uh improve the health life do they have to spend less time in hospital they're the main ones you would actually want to measure because they're the outcomes that affect the patient rather than just be like, oh, it corrects for the this arrhythmia.
1: Does that make sense? Sort of.
0: What does so it make you, sense?
1: So you take the so you take the for the arrhythmia, you would take the drug and the yeah, end you point would, measure is how quickly did you get out of the hospital?
0: No, but like, yeah, but it was, so a drug company might be like, okay, does it correct for the arrhythmia? You don't see it as often. So if you're like, okay, if I don't see it as often then that means they're less likely to have a heart attack or myocardial infarction, etc. So you're kind of like using that to get your conclusion, mm-hmm. um, but instead you're not really looking at the clinical endpoint. So it's such as living longer, symptom relief, which is okay. what really matters at the end of the day. Okay, yeah, then I get it now. Okay, so uh, although accelerated approval was developed for life-threatening diseases, it's now expanded its use beyond its original intent with 73% of licensed drugs receiving expedited approval and many of these drugs treat conditions that are either non-life threatening or have existing treatment Uh, but in exchange for this accelerated approvals manufacturers are required to run a confirmatory study to show clinical benefits after the drug is on the market so they'll give it this expedited approval but then they need to do more testing when it's on the market Um, So to confirm, like, is it still working as it's been Mm -hmm. promised in the clinical trial. Okay. Okay, so back to adesimumab. What was so controversial that caused it to be voted against unanimously by the FDA Expert Independent Advisor Committee? So Biogen, the company that was creating it, it conducted two randomized phase 3 trials against adesimumab both of which were stopped after pre-planned early analysis, which determined that there was a less than 20% chance of the overall trial returning a positive finding. So, the odds of them actually finding a result that was clinically significant was Small. less than 20%. Okay. Biogen continued collecting the data and performed a re-analysis, so basically switching tactics, focusing on a reduction in brain amyloid plaques found in a post-hoc analysis of one of the true trials. So instead of like letting the the trial still run, they had stopped it, but they went back and they were like, okay, we'll have a look and see if we can f- measure something
1: else that might indicate something promising within the patients. So from all the collected data they had, they, they changed what they were looking for? Yeah, the change, okay. switch tactics. Yeah. <clears throat> so I
0: mentioned their reduction in ba- brain amyloid plaques. So amyloid proteins clumps in the brain, there are neural neuro- a neuropathological feature of Alzheimer's disease, and it's widely assumed to trigger a cascade of changes that causes this cognitive decline you see in Alzheimer's patients. Mm -hmm. Adesibumab, it's a monoclonal antibody that removes these amyloid plaques. So again, you're like, you remove the plaques, logically, then it would seem that you should improve. You're going to delay the onset of Alzheimer's or even Mm -hmm. stop the onset of Alzheimer's symptoms. The central controversy then is whether this amyloid clearance protects from cognitive and functional decline. Um, and yeah, so it was remarkable that the FDA decided to accelerate the approval of the drug as the only evidence that amyloid removal slows cognitive decline come, came from retrospective analysis of a single trial that was stopped early and ignore the other negative identical trial. So uh, yeah, and this is the problem with surrogate endpoints. they can seem to be an integral part of the disease process that they are often conflated with the disease itself such as glucose levels and diabetes or hypertension and stroke. So one example is I, I mentioned this is lidocaine, which was recommended as a treatment for patients with acute chest pain based on the mm-hmm. drug's ability to stop potentially dangerous arrhythmias. While such arrhythmias can be deadly, They're only a surrogate outcome with myocardial infraction and death, the more important patient endpoint. Uh, And it was actually the sub guidelines were subsequently withdrawn after a 1995 federally funded clinical trial found that patients treated with the drug lidocaine were 3.6 times more likely to die than those given the placebo. So quite a high increase rate if you took the drug, which was crazy for uh, a drug that was recommended as a, in the guidelines to be used for people who have this acute chest pain. So, so it had the opposite effect yeah, of yeah. what it was supposed to... Okay, right. These and numerous other examples suggest a fundamental flaw regarding the use of sur- surrogate endpoints for drug approvals. And even the FDA a- acknowledges that surrogate endpoints can give me- misleading information about the overall risk and benefits of a medical product. For example, there can be non-causal associations where a surrogate at point-in-point point that is thought to be causal might be simply associated. Like for example, these beta amyloid plaques, as well as being present in people with Alzheimer's disease, are also found in a substantial proportion of cognitively intact individuals. Many people with beta amyloid do not progress to dementia and patients without amyloid can still progress to dementia before amyloid accumulates so again like it's kind of uh this is a kind of where the controversy comes at because it it doesn't always um correlate with uh, alzheimer's patients this amount of these beta amyloid plaques because again people who are healthy might have them people who have alzheimer's mightn't have that many so again to be using this as like uh an outcome to measure like oh that become reduced that's going to help solve for alzheimer's um
1: symptoms is kind of a ha- bit of a leap there's like but if you think about alzheimer's like thinking about the beta amyloid plaques is it's like one and the same you know i uh, thinking as sorry say that again if you think about the alzheimer disease like one of the characteristic of hallmarks is having these beta amyloid plaques right so like i'm one on the one on one hand i'm not surprised that people think that scientist thinks that there is like this this clear connection yeah. between between the, this and that but yeah but now you're saying that some Alzheimer's patients don't have these plaques and they experience the cognitive decline or the, that these plaques appear later yeah um, as to where was the onset of the decline and some healthy people might have these plaques as well you, yeah you, you said. I suppose that one thing you could say is like especially in the patients without
0: amyloid who can still progress to dementia maybe it could be a genetic thing that isn't the amyloid isn't playing a role in these patients, and there could be a different subsection of patients that are kind of somewhat different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So as well as this, trials using surrogate endpoints are often shorter and may include fewer participants than trials measuring clinical outcomes. There can be, they can even be ignored when there is an assumption that presumed clinical benefits based on a surrogate endpoint will outweigh harms. So in the case of adacimab. Patients given the approved dose were three times as likely to develop brain swelling and hemorrhages <laughs> as patients given placebo and were more likely to experience headaches, vision loss, disorientation and dizziness. So 35% of patients in the trial experienced brain edema, and 19% micro hemorrhages at the recommended dose. Uh, and the outcome of this is that you need to, patients who are taking the drug, you need to monitor this, the, the patient's. Uh, we're using repeated MRIs to monitor for side effects along with this monthly intravenous infusion which for can be for an indefinite period because you don't know like how long does it work how long do I have to keep doing this etc cetera, et cetera. do you have to keep doing it till
1: the symptoms comes back there's um, a lot of things you have to do yeah, <laughs> to take this, this drug I
0: suppose like I wouldn't say you shouldn't have to do it but like MRIs is very an intensive procedure yeah. to have to get done and especially if you're getting monthly infusions, like that takes, that's a quite a. It's a financial burden to get
1: so many MRIs yeah, down. Done it's as a well. burden
0: as well just to have to like take that day out of your, like one day out of every month to have to go and do this. So yeah. it's not very straightforward. And yeah, it, the, the FDA has actually approved it. Um, to Be used for any patient with Alzheimer's despite the trial, including only those with early disease. So, again, you're like, is it even the right patients that should be used? Should it not be just patients that have early onset um, at that stage? So, we don't even know if it will work in these other patients. Is um, there any positive news about this? Like, this, <laughs> this deep, I know I seem so very negative. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, this is the whole thing is like, why was it so unanimous? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was this is the whole it was unanimously not approved and people actually stepped down from the drug approval process because there was such a controversy about this Um, and the other thing was it also it also has consequences for trials of other potential Alzheimer's treatments and researchers they have to decide whether to use a placebo as the control intervention or adesivimab like because this is the it's an FDA approved drug this is what you should (laughs) always use in your clinical trials uh, a drug that's already been in use and then this can have an effect on your trial because you're using a drug that might not be even
1: working as the the, as a placebo or the control group but i i I understand i understand how how bad this drug is because yeah you just listed these reasons and (laughs) okay yet it still got like fast-tracked or approved um and this, so this whole approval is based only that they change the criteria of the data analysis and they come up with something? Yeah, yeah. The way I see it is what I would say
0: what some people say is that they should use only surrogate endpoints in the phase two trials and that we should that surrogate endpoints have not been validated to measure what matters to actual like disease patients overall survival or quality of life. Uh, and they should be followed by a randomized phase three trial, adequate power to show overall survival always. But the others actually have disagreed and said that it would be unethical not to use surrogate endpoints and leave patients to die while they're waiting for new treatments. Especially for like diseases like Alzheimer's, there's no drug available. Um, Should we like not approve it Um, or should we try and just put it on the market to try and help Patients that might, it might help for them um,
1: because it's just like playing a Russian roulette, it yeah. might help you, but you also might get brain edema. So, you know, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's kind of like I suppose it does give false promise as well to patients because you're like, they've got this, they're, it suggests that oh, the drug is pretty safe that it's got it approved or it's gotten to this stage, and a lot of the time it's not maybe not safe and it maybe doesn't work and they're not really sure that it is work but they're like we're willing to try and use let you use it if it might work in that case like it really should
1: be a drug that works the majority of the time Um, I, I think I'm yeah I don't I'd like to understand like what was what was so convincing uh so that the fda agreed to because like i i'm listening to you and i pay attention it's just i i just i just don't think there is anything that would excite me about this drug yeah and i don't i don't know why that's the only way
0: reason i can think of i don't know why else they decided to approve it like it seems overwhelmingly negative. I suppose it's kind of easy to look in back in hindsight and be like, oh, this and that and here, this way, you shouldn't have been approved. But maybe at the time they were like, they wanted to try and get something on the market for Alzheimer's. And it just was like, we will try and put it on the market. The other point is as at the FDA, like they what they do to try and like reassure pa- patients and reassure the public, the scientific community is that they commit to a nine-year post-approval confirmatory study, so they'll do this study after nine years to see, okay, did it actually work? Should we allow it on the market? Um, uh, and is it working? But it already used? is on the market. Yeah, but this is, I suppose, the a way of like saying we will review, we will look back and review it. We're not going to let it like after nine years. Yeah, that's true. I suppose it is a long year time afterwards. And as well, the drug will be sold for use at a cost of forty three thousand euro per person per year
1: as well. So it is forty three thousand. Yeah, and this is like one course of treatment, or is that like just no, one it's for, for the those? year? So like, oh, that must year. be like must be per month. They've calculated salad out. Of it. And it's a monoclonal infusion, or it's a monoclonal based drug. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like the thing
0: is as well, like even if they don't produce this info in nine years' time, the companies never face any consequences from the FDA. They've never fined anyone for not like giving update info. What um, company is it
1: again? Can you remind me?
0: Bi Bio Biogen. Biogen. I don't uh, understand I, we, that. One thing I say was like for us in the Europe, I suppose it's good because. It's unlikely to be approved by the European Medical Agency as it's updated its guidelines on clinical trials for Alzheimer's disease to emphasise the need for clinical trials to show cognitive and functional benefits rather than just focusing solely on surrogate endpoints such as amyloid prax. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I'm going like that the EMA has decided to do that. I really would love to speak to someone from the EMA about this and see what they would think. Um, it just seems that the FDA or someone in drug approval I, I must try we must try and get
1: someone involved in this process you do that Evan. <laughs> yeah um, uh, is someone yeah, so lobbying the FDA was someone lobbying the FDA to approve it
0: I don't know I who's making money know.
1: out of this drug
0: it could be who knows what shady stuff is going on beneath the surface really
1: I, yeah I was I was gonna I, I hate to be this guy but like one of the things that I wanted to say is like, so who is gonna be responsible after the nine years if it's gonna s- come up to the surface if that are meant to be? Yeah, but then yeah. I says like I sound so hypocritical because I don't think the vaccines, the the manufacturers of the vaccine will also take the responsibility if something goes wrong. But yeah, yeah, but I think with the va- vaccines it was much more evidence that they are actually all beneficial rather rather than what this. Uh, this Alzheimer drugs is trying to show. Well,
0: at the time, to- I can still think the whole vaccine thing with uh, the hospitalization that wasn't even their main measure, but yeah. like, luckily it worked out that way. Good um, lucky. But like, yeah, again, it didn't. Uh, I think the vaccine as well. There was nothing. There was no other way of treating the disease, and I suppose that was like a really good indicator to be like why it should have been like given emergency use authorization at the time um and it was a, just a basic line of treatment this is like a the main treatment for alzheimers do do you know if maybe
1: patients were lobbying for this
0: drug Did they i did think they, they could have to- as well yeah i definitely think that could have been a, another ish risk or like another reason for it but like can i what would you like if your parent yeah. or a grandparent had alzheimers and they recommended giving the, the drug would you say no or
1: so i see myself in the scenario where let's say my mom or dad have alzheimer in like in the future not right now yeah uh, but like in the future and i can see myself being so desperate that i would even bring them to some sort of holistic healer (laughs) so but would you bring them to a holistic healer over this drug i think if i would have money i would i would i would try i would try to give them anything that is available and if that drug would be available i'm pretty sure i would i would be like well Mm. let's do it i suppose like it's your parents you're talking about hearing
0: your like your you talk i suppose it's like it's a very emotional response and you're willing to do anything and i suppose i think it shouldn't be up to the patients to decide it should be up to the the drug the drug agencies the federal drug agency the ema to decide like look at it from an unbiased view and be like we don't think it's good enough. More testing needs to be done. Tweak your, tweak that drug already, have like, or establish exactly which patients it's helpful in before we decide going ahead with authorization of the drug. I think that's just, that just seems logical to me. So just to be like, oh, well, we'll just put it out there and see how it works for patients who have Alzheimer's and who maybe it'll work for some people. I just don't know. I just, I'm really baffled by the whole thing don't understand why they decided to do it like hmm. and um, i'm wondering if it ev- sorry i'm just wondering like was it did they submit for approval in the email as well like i just yeah
1: i, don't, I think like i think if you're, if you're in any way related to someone who suffers from any of these neurodegenerative diseases uh then you know anything that gives you hope i think yeah. People will just go for it. So yeah, I think you're right. It's it's up to like the the doctors, the scientists, the the countless num- number of different medical boards and committees. Uh, I think you know there is a certain responsibility that is on them that they should live up to and and fulfill their their, their duties. But yeah, I'm completely baffled about this drug. I don't. Yeah, you put it yeah. in such a bad. <laughs> I would love. I I'm
0: going to moderate. See if I can find out any more of like why. Um yeah, why why it was done. Um and like the other thing is like, so what can we do as well? Like, can yeah. we do anything to stop this happening in the future? Well, again, I said like I was saying uh what situ- circumstances should expedited pathways be warranted. I suppose Alzheimer's in this situation I do think does qualify for that. Um but if it is approved through an expedited pathways, patients must be informed that the drug or device experimental and the benefit has not been proved. But at the same time, I'm like, if patients have Alzheimer's, I think they're willing to do anything because there's yeah. nothing out there. So I think even if you're like, oh, you have like a 50% of a brain hemorrhage, they'd be like, well, I'm going to die take anyways. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do think though, if it expedited approval, that the drug is automatically withdrawn if current pharmacy trials fail to show benefit. And I think it should be more... Like five years, I think they should be doing this trial when it's on the market to see um, if it's beneficial. And if it isn't, it has to. I think it should be removed. Um, But I suppose yeah, it just it's kind of tough. Then if it's working for one patient, it's not working for the other, and then it's completely removed. I do feel that is kind of um,
1: that's that can be kind of tricky. But then you Um, should totally figure out what makes this one patient. uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a a, a good responder. They should be looking into
0: that as well. Uh, hold FDA responsible for ensuring that clinical, for meaningful endpoints are used in confirmatory trials. Uh, I do think they need to be. That's the that's the end goal. That should be what they're looking at. I think it's all well and good to see like plaques are reduced or uh, di- like glucose is reduced or whatever. It just I think you need to be able to show that uh, and put the work in. Um, but just to establish that maybe before it's approved, I d- I don't know me. Especially, I think with dr- what diseases that already have treatments on the market, that should be established definitely mm-hmm. before they are put on the market. Suppose for d- other diseases that don't have that, maybe, um, it it might take you might need to it might need to another way of around it before doing this. Uh, and then finally, I think. Definitely, this is what I agree with. I suppose it's more applicable applicable to America than Europe. But companies must provide pro- companies must provide products free or their price no greater than manufacturing costs until a confirmed trial is completed. I don't think it's willing right. So what does this mean, mean? But basically, I don't think it's right that they should be allowed charge full price for this drug that they don't even know if it fully works yet. That you're still part of this. A trial process that they're using to yeah. to confirm if it works
1: or not. Like you're still kind of part of the trial at this moment in time. So, and they never it, be lab, label 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 They never be responsible to give that money back if something goes wrong. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and like, I hope. Well, I,
0: again, I don't know how it works. If someone dies because taking this drug, can they get? Can they sue this company? Like, I don't know. How it works what if you
1: signed a you know like waiver
0: but like for you trials yeah them, right? i would say so but if it's on the market uh just like when they're taking the drug Do they, when they like they have to read the label and if they like agree with taking it then are they still liable I
1: you don't. really have to be naive if you think that this company hasn't already built in some yeah some, Some firewalls that will this. prevent this from happening. Like yeah. if, uh, if if they tr- if this sounds like an experimental drug that goes out uh, into the world, uh, people can use it for Alzheimer's, but you never know what you're gonna get. Yeah. And yeah. and they also they say that oh we're just gonna run it for nine years and then we're gonna see what's up. I mean, yeah. Come on. So this is I uh, just
0: uh, yeah again this is kind of a nice contrast to the Pfizer drug and the Merck drug that worked. When it's they're like trying to find a way of like getting their money
1: back into the from the research. So But imagine what kind of a game changer would be if if someone would really come up with one yeah. w- with a drug that kind of tackles one of these, you know, whether it's Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or Huntington's disease, mm. uh, if you get if Motor Norrin's disease, that's another really yeah. big one. But it's just Yeah, it's yeah.
0: it's um well, I still think like approving drugs just just for the sake of it, is not um the right way around it. No. It's horrible, really. Yeah. But uh yeah, so that was my same story. I thought it was just an interesting thing to discover to discuss. Yeah. Um and yeah, <laughs> I I really will watch, keep an eye out and see like why was there any other reason why it was approved? Is there any other news coming out of it? Um and yeah, it just that's again like casting my skeptical eye on like why but I, I, yeah, like, this is, and to. this is the reason why people don't trust fireman because this stuff can happen and fda yeah
1: stuff like that it doesn't help help long term and like it's not even that uh not advertised but like there's no like if you don't know what people you're would looking know for that. you you wouldn't find it you know no yeah, yeah that's like we just go and like just people would not pay attention to it because you know you have you have your climate change you have your covered you have this and that and who will pay attention to this? To this, you know, and and yeah. it's, and it's huge because it seems like they take an advantage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So that was uh, that was my main story. Um, so that was today's episode. Then. Uh, yeah. I hope you enjoyed wrap. it. We had a good discussion um, about James Bond and his uh, how he would have survived. What <laughs> he would have survived from other like non-lethal or lethal uh, methods like food poisoning, etc. Uh, and then jo- Tom brought us up to date with this uh new d- drug for treating covid and Paxolid. Well and cop, cop 26 is it
1: yes and cop 26 yeah uh,
0: and global warming and then I kind of want to just yeah uh, give you a rundown of what happened with this new drug that was approved for Alzheimer's uh and the, the controversy from that so um that was today's episode I hope you enjoyed it hope you learned something new
1: yeah. And the next time you're going to hear from us, we're both going to have some uh, stories from different conferences we both will be <laughs> attending, right? <laughs> yeah, we're both doing our presentations of our projects. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm be sure be it's going to be super interesting. Maybe maybe something to discuss next we time. We can just say if we fail. <laughs> How did you I'm embarrass d- yourself on the scale 1 to 10? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's always going to be some kind of embarrassment. Definitely, kind of, yeah um so yeah enjoy your enjoy your day wherever you are hope you come to catch us on the next one and uh, see you talk to you then yeah stay skeptical bye bye